Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler. And uh, joining today, we have a two-hander special, me and Janice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the la- I'm the last person standing in our organization, apparently. <laughs> we have a few folks down. Uh, like, exactly. Well, I think one's getting an x-ray. Uh, <laughs> another one is like, can't get on this podcast without a coughing fit. Um, so here we are. <laughs> It's you exactly. and me, Sean. We're, we're holding it down. It's a tough week in Hollywood, Jen. This is tough. I mean, it's, you know, you thought it was bad so far. Uh, so I think one of the themes that of this podcast, for better or worse lately, has been things aren't so great, but things really, really aren't so great. I mean, I it was it's like a like the ceiling fell out. I think we talked about, I'm sorry, the floor fell out. We've both, both, about, of, both of them, Janice. Well, 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 no, I think we talked about that we hit the ceiling. Oh, we hit the ceiling, right, yeah. We hit the, the floor ceiling falling out. Streaming, but then, whoops, the floor also can fall out too. And so I, I think you put all of this in your newsletter every morning. I kind of, I need you to just um, recite the sort of avalanche of horrible headlines just from the last few days. Right. I mean, you know, it's funny. I let off last week's podcast with, you know, Hollywood in- looking so bad next to Silicon Valley. And it's like, and that was before this week. And now it's, you know, it's, it's just even worse across the board, though. Not even, I mean, Amazon, of course, started the week laying off 10,000 people or, you know, announcing news. And that that has already started as of today, uh, recording on Thursday. Uh, but we have Roku announced uh, 200 jobs, 7% of the workforce will be cut and presumably mostly Q4. Uh, Vice Media has a kind of described as like an edict to cut 15% of the budget, which you and I both know will translate at some point. They said it's not a hir- from uh, saving paper clips in the closet. exactly. There's yeah. a, there's currently a hiring freeze, which is what Amazon had two weeks ago before they let off 10,000 people. So uh, you know the 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 progression of events is in motion there. Wait, but so, uh, John, yeah. wait. I have to ask you, like, you know, you've you've been talking about in your newsletter that like we we just had third quarter earnings and <laughs> right. they didn't announce some of this stuff. And then days later, they're like, whoops, all this there's more so, everything. Yeah. Sorry. Like, like, how does that happen? Like, is did they not? Are they just continuing to forecast into the future and decide it's time to announce more bad news or were they just burying it on the call? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, an earnings call is a very official, you know, legally binding, you know, kind of uh, recording. And, you know, so that what they say has to be very, very carefully worded. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just the proximity to this stuff, Janice. I mean, Disney, you know, three days after the call, Bob Chapek sent out that memo saying, you know, austerity lies ahead. We're putting in, you know, there's going to be layoffs. There's going to be a, a, what was it, a, a cost control board I'm establishing, you know. There's lots and it's of like, euphemisms that have been, yeah, uh, that, have, exactly. that are getting used these days for uh, job losses and, uh, you know, and layoffs without, without saying any of it. And then, yeah. you know, Endeavor had their call and three business days later said they're having a hiring freeze. You know, the, their business isn't is basically fine, which is what, uh, you know, this is a week ago, you and I just were talking about the uh, the call. We were talking about the, the Endeavor call here in the podcast, basically fine. But they're looking around at everything and just being like, uh, we're going to just literally hit pause on everything because, you know, our business does look fine, but we don't trust any of this stuff. So it's very rare, Janice, that this stuff, usually the earnings call goes, you have your report, everybody goes away for a while. This is just keeps going. Like, and that's just, you know, this is the news just keeps coming out. And it's just seeming that Q4 is, you know, as bad or worse than people were kind of saying it was going to be. 
again, Anthony Wood, the CEO of Roku, was the only person really saying Q4 is terrible and looks terrible. Everybody else was kind of like, well, we see headwinds and we do all that kind of stuff. But clearly, there's a lot going on right now in, in fourth quarter that is not looking very good. Wait, so I, I interrupted your um your no, my, my laundry list of uh, of bad news. What else did we? What else? <laughs> well, came so then, uh, so Endeavor basically said, uh, you know, not hiring Tri CAA, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. You know, there's a big uh, RBC uh, investors conference this week, and David Zaslav was there saying the ad market. He was saying the holiday season is basically a wash for ad for ad sales, and that it's worse than the pandemic in terms of the, the loss. Uh, CNN said their layoffs are coming pretty much right after the Thanksgiving holiday. Also, do not do not drink on CNN this year for for New Year's, Janice. Just FYI, that's a. Uh... <laughs> yeah, what was what what was that? I saw the headline, but I didn't read the story. Um, I'm Basically, a terrible it was an in, internal, you know. They're, so they're returning the news to CNN, Janice, as you know. Uh, oh, so the, just the the new gravitas, the new gravitas of CNN. So only <laughs> okay. Andy and Anderson can drink. Everybody else, all the other correspondents in the studio and things, uh, cannot be having any drinks on air. Which I guess was part of the this festivities, wow. or, okay. or or at, in general, not even just on air. But uh, so that the party's over for New Year's uh, at CNN as well. Or the party's um, over. as it's sounding at the moment very thematic uh timing there um john malone uh gave some choice quotes today uh do you i think i have this pulled up janice he was at liberty media investors day quote uh this is john malone who's you know i think i introduced who john malone is but uh at the moment there's a lot of blood flowing down the gutters of people who are streaming and some can afford it and some cannot uh, let's face it. Everyone went for this mad Oklahoma land rush of streaming, and that was a fool's errand. So uh, the blood is flowing down the gutters, according to John Malone. Um, he, of course, is a large investor in one of our discovery. And this, this, by the way, completely helps his uh, Darth Vader like image. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it warms him up a lot. It, it's on brand. Uh, <laughs> for, I love the yeah, got to love the candor from John Malone. Um and, the, you know, Paramount came out and they said, you know, basically, you know, it's not the pandemic. Our ad sales are not, you know, we essentially lowered our upfront rates this year back in June because we took more volume instead of price, which is essentially we wanted to sell more ad inventory in June because we thought the fall and the rest of the year would be bad. So they actually pretty made a pretty smart move. But that doesn't mean you're making more money, it, you know, and they're still bleeding essentially millions of cable subscribers from their networks because of cord cutting. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a great picture there either. So that's, then that's this week, you know, that's literally, I just gave you four days worth of headlines, which is like a month's worth in a normal news cycle. It's crazy. I think people's heads are sort of spinning yes. and, yeah. um, and it's hard to process it all. I think the, the sad truth of all this is that there will be, thousands and thousands of people who are going to lose their jobs in the next few weeks. Um, But when you look at the, I think one of the things with the tech industry is that they became the biggest companies in America. And when you start to see the numbers of layoffs they are going to do when it starts to reach into the tens of thousands, it's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, you hear the numbers around Hollywood and, you know, the Warner Brothers numbers were, you know, 70, 80 at HBO Max. They were, you know, 100 at Warner Brothers Television. And then you got, you know, uh, Amazon coming in saying 10,000. And it it just also reminds you, Janice, just how big those companies really are, which you kind of not forget, but certainly is not, you know, compared to Hollywood studios, it's nothing, you know, the size of these companies. Um, Well, you and I, you and I had slacked about the fact that they, 
that the Amazon announcement about layoffs didn't even mention Amazon Studios, which right. I wouldn't necessarily interpret as Amazon Studios is unaffected, but rather that Amazon Studios is such a small part of the giant machinery of Amazon. It, it puts it in context for you in terms of, yeah, this is why they don't report it in the earnings report. This is why, you know, it doesn't, it's important. It's, it's, it's to them, obviously prime is important, but it's not where the, you know, the, the bills are paid, you know, at Amazon it's in, it's in the website and in holiday shopping. And when holiday shopping takes a hit, we have a problem and that's kind but of what's come also, up. Also, Oh my God, we have like eight Alexas in our house for whatever reason. <laughs> and it's, it's always a gift. And, um, Right. The devices have never made money. No, they, the, the division as a few, a few years ago was losing the, the reports for $5 billion a year. I mean, you know, Oh my God, this is like know, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, metaverse Well, or his portal, which they shut down, you know, finally uh, this month as well. Remember, you know, all the ads for portal last holiday season. No, and nobody, all, you know, no, no, I don't remember that. No, apparently okay. no one else. No one else. Then I was watching a lot of portal ads last year. I mean, look, the, you know, the consumer electronics business isn't great. I mean, look at Roku. They don't make money on devices. They make money on advertising. You know, yeah. like everybody thinks like, oh, the devices are everywhere. The devices are sold at a loss. They're Trojan right. horses. Right. And the Trojan horse for Alexa and related products was, we'll give you this product you'll use and you will buy it. To, you will use it to buy things. To buy more and things. The research is just saying you're listening to, using it to listen to music, which is a, right. which doesn't make money for Amazon either, or to set a timer for yourself. And like. <laughs> Those are exactly the two uses of the Amazon in our house. I would not, I would not trust Amazon to do any uh, an Alexa to do much more than that for me in my house. Right. Yeah, um, so that's these lessons these guys are learning, and yeah, it's a tough lesson. So there was this headline that came out right before we got on this uh, this recording, um, and it ties into some of our stories for this week. Um, and there's uh, there's someone who has a Substack that Richard likes a lot. Um, is someone named Max Reed, and his headline is. The end of the long 2010s and the idiot CEO. And of course, when I read this to you, you're the first thing you said was <laughs> the end of the idiot CEO. I don't know that that's probably, you know, or when were they so smart? Maybe it was my comment, but yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. We but... might be in halftime. Um, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like uh, he says, between Twitter, Meta, and the broader crypto shambles, am I right in feeling like this is the end of the long 2010s in tech? I mean, so I'm going to say no. Because it'll it, that's it's too big to reach yeah. that point. But Richard uh, yes. has this column that uh, just came out about uh, what he's calling <laughs> real catchy tech and Freuda, uh, <laughs> tech and Freuda gripping the town. So that basically the sense of Schadenfreude around this sort of at least momentary tech comeuppance. Um, right. And uh, but just uh, you know, it's a common theme of what he writes about. But just how the tech-driven economics completely upended what happens in this business and like reprioritized um what this business does and i you know you i know you worked at hbo sure sean and so i did a book talk with all oh, right yeah felix, your panel with, yeah with felix gillette and john coblin who wrote the book about hbo it's not tv and one of there was something in there that was so shocking to me that in some not very long ago era in one of the many ownership you know, changeovers um, of HBO. Maybe it was when, I don't know, maybe it was when Steve Ross came in or I can't remember. Oh, okay. Way back. But the HBO, well, yeah, not that long, very long ago. And so, uh, but the HBO executive team was like, so they have quotes in the book, like quarterly reports, like 
what the hell is a quarterly report? <laughs> and just thinking, um, you know, they had never had to follow one or be judged by one before. And like, here we are. I mean, I get very involved in the stuff, Janice, you know, the earnings reports and so forth, sure. so forth, but it's really driving the news cycle where I can't, you know, I said I worked, I worked you know, at, at Time Warner and, uh, you know, a little bit under the other regimes at HBO. And you never heard people talking about the quarterly report, you know, like, or any of this stuff driving the news. And, you know, that's been a big shift in terms of the coverage and in terms of what people, you know, what people who work in these companies talk about, where before, if you would ask anybody, they would. I would have any idea even when the quarterly reports happened or, you know, what that might be. So this is really and been a shift of, of what's been going on. And when the news gets bad, this is kind of where the, you know, the focus gets into it. But well, it kind um, of reminds me like, you know, how ESPN started to make events out of things like the draft, <laughs> the draft exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, that are pretty boring as events, but yeah, you can but talk like a lot about them. We've managed to like sportify. The financial yeah. parts of entertainment, which yeah, not be the case. Well, definitely not. But it's also that's where we get the real information, where the information was always out there before. It was again, we've talked about this a bit, but you know, it was box office, it was Nielsen numbers every week. You could look at it. Now streaming numbers are behind walls, and quarterly earnings reports are the only time that they're maybe quote unquote legally required, but have to require that they are re- revealing data to you that is actually meaningful and not a minute streamed or some number that really doesn't mean much of anything that anybody can, you know, twist in 10 different ways. Right. You know, one of the themes that Richard touches on in his piece is how the arrogance of tech yes, yes. began to infiltrate Hollywood. And I mean, he brings, when you tie these, th- these, he gives three examples of sort of this top down we're right, you're wrong, don't you dare question us uh, mentality. And one, uh, you know, of course, the, the one example is Mark Zuckerberg and this whole metaverse project where people were afraid to question him or challenge him in in the room. And this is that kind of founder worship and billionaire worship that has evolved in the culture where uh, because they're so rich, they are right and sort of and, and probably have gone at least 10 years without ever being challenged by anyone. Um Right. internally or in their orbit. And um, so he brings up the example, uh, there were, I think the New York Times uh, wrote about this chaos internally at the company um, that was just allowed to keep going and going until they, you know, bled out um, spending on right. this. Um, right. And then the second one was, of course, Elon Musk giving employees, they think this was from, was this from yesterday or this week, Elon Musk has given employees until tonight to commit to, quote, actually, oh, J- Janet, Yes. The deadline just passed. Uh, we're a half hour oh, past boy. the deadline, FYI. So wow. you better have hit yes or no. Do you commit to uh, giving your firstborn child and everything yes. else to the yes. to the Twitter organization? Extremely hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> as, yes, as, as he used and, the, the phrase that, that yeah. was in, in the letter. And you will be expected. To, it's, I think he said you will be expected to work late as much <laughs> as we would like you to work. So remember that whole like work from home forever culture, like that's right. gone. Um, you know, you can tie this into Netflix, right? Where, um, sure. or, you know, remember earlier this year, Netflix uh-huh. get with the program. This was in the wake of Dave Chappelle. Right. Or quit. So this isn't uh free green juice and foosball and, uh, you know, and yoga class on Thursdays and nap pods anymore. Like that era of this world is over. And, 
it's what happens. Like we know, Genesis, we've seen is in, from publishing to TV to, you know, when things get real, things get real. And this is what, this is where we're at right now. And this is, again, we've said, this is tech's first real recession and we're seeing the behavior and these guys are clamping down with an iron fist, you know, uh, but in Zuckerberg, same thing this June, Use that same, you know, analogy like you better be in, you better be dedicated. This is where, you know, the time for whatever was over, you know, that kind of sentiment of like, we need you working 80 hours a week. And, the, you know, this this feel good vibe of the tech world of like, oh, isn't this a great place? It's the future. Now it's like that, that's why Richard's column was a great encapsulation of, of all that, I thought. So uh, that's the, was the sentiment that I took away from it as well. For sure. Um, and so. I, I want to draw our listeners' attention also to this column. We had uh, someone, uh, uh, this very well-known career coach named Lacey Leo mm. McLaughlin, write a piece for us this week. We're we're doing this series very timely. Um, it's been planned for a while, but becoming timelier called the Squeeze uh, about basically the economic and psychological impact of this uh, climate on the people who work in the entertainment industry. And we're going to cover producers, directors, I'm sorry, not directors, producers, writers, actors, below the line employees, assistants, uh, and entry-level positions. But um, the first piece, we kicked the whole thing off this week with a story about how to maybe save your job during layoffs. Mm -hmm. And um, so you know, I think what's extraordinary is like, I feel like it was just yesterday, you know, there was the great resignation, quiet quitting, uh, you know, I mean, take, you know, pick your adventure, whatever you want. There's always going to be 20 jobs waiting for you. And Lacey talks about like, do some strategies and she, she's very open about the fact that none of these may work, but, um, but that you have to like, go in, see your boss, like definitely ask how you can achieve the goals. Like do not lay your head, you know, don't lay low, hoping you won't be found. And um, so she does it from C-suite executives, mid-level managers who she says are the most vulnerable, showrunners, you know, how to get your budget in order and don't fight the, don't fight Mm. the network. This is not the time. But I thought that for assistance, she goes, she goes to assistance and you know, what you said for Gen Z and millennials, this is likely your first recession and it will be hard. Um, Display judgment and good timing. Bosses are more open to feedback and ideas than ever before, but understand what's happening in the business and be smart about when and how you contribute. So Lacey's much more professional than probably um, (laughs) I am. So I think think what she's saying is like... like, don't pick a culture war with your boss right at this moment. Yeah, don't ask for that, you know, that perk or that thing that, you know, or I'm going to say, you know, be, be the classic version of, uh, you know, sometimes the image in the, the media of the younger people, you know, wanting this and the, I have a right to this and things like that, which some things are important and other things. It's finding that that line, Janice, I think is what she's trying to say, you know, is understand there's a time and a place to ask for things. And there's a lot of stress going on right now. And like that ask may be received much differently than it would have been six months ago. Right. Uh, like company. if you don't have a vegan option at <laughs> bring your <laughs> in own, the kitchen. like, you know, I like, don't, yeah. Ask for it when there's a boom market, like, yeah, uh, those kinds of, yeah, those kinds of things. And that's, you know, the, I think the problem, Janice, and you kind of mentioned with that is that, you know, you're supposed to contribute more to the business goals. And I think they don't know what the goals are anymore. And that's really the challenge here or a lot now is like before you kind of still knew what it was, it was a bad time, but you kind of knew what the company was about. And now it's like, well, wait, 
we're supposed to we're making less stuff for streaming so i can't contribute more to make more stuff because we're supposed to be making less stuff because it's, we, we made too much you know it's a lot of just like what right. is that goal anymore even at the company of like how can i even contribute to something that i don't know what we should be really focusing on well, other than I mean, cutting back going back to being angry at tech to some degree but i mean shouldn't we be angry at our ceos uh yeah i mean you know that's kind of i mean the, the john maloton quotes were it was a gold rush everybody went in and i mean everybody's kind of <laughs> mad at netflix because everybody was chasing that model without understanding what they were even chasing you know they were just chasing subscriber numbers because that was what wall street was rewarding as we've you know talked about a bit wall street took a hard pivot uh back in first quarter when netflix had their miss and was like yeah we don't care about subscriber numbers anymore we care more about revenue and all that kind of stuff so Nobody, you know, was steadfast for the. It was look. It would have been hard. I'm not saying it was like it would have been really tough to sit there for three years when you're being asked what's your streaming plan and being like, you know what, we don't see an upside in it, and you well, would look, have gotten I pounded mean, for three years too. So it is. Look it's, how much it is a bad press thing. Sony got around that, right? Right. Poor sad Sony. They don't have a streaming. What are they going to do? They're doomed, and now yeah. they're, they're the probably the most well positioned studio in Hollywood. You know, yeah, they're they kind have of a, in the, what a is billion... it? The cat, cat, cat bird, bird. What, what is this? The seat, the seat where a cat or bird sits. I guess <laughs> they're sitting next to a cat. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Um, it's a good thing. But yeah, they you know they have a billion dollar check from Netflix for their movies. The movies are doing very well on Netflix. Yeah. I, you know, do my weekly, you know, kind of quote unquote Netflix box office report, and five of the top ten movies on Netflix last week were licensed films from studios. You know, wow. um, so as much as Netflix is pumping the product of their own, what people want to watch are these known theatrical movies, and you know, and these aren't new; they're five months old. You know, but. They want to watch, you know, where the crawdads sing. You know, that's that has a lot more value than XYZ random film. I, you know, I haven't heard of before. So, Sony, yeah, Sony's looking great. Uh, other studios who they're varying degrees of where they are, but they all spent all this money, and you can't turn this spigot off. You know, you're losing five hundred million, is, you know, uh, a quarter. The only way to turn it off is to shut the service down. You know, you right. can't all of a sudden. So you're caught right now, and. Is it leadership? Is it, you know, again, it would have been hard to sit there on every earnings call for every, you know, four times a year being asked by analysts, what's your streaming plan and having and as, a, as a primary content company, remember, remember Sony, you know, is an electron, electronics company. They're not being grilled on Sony pictures, you know, as much as Paramount, who's being going to be asked what you're streaming, you know, and Warner Brothers Discovery and even Disney to an extent. And even NBC Universal, even though they have the cover of Comcast, you know, what is your streaming policy? And they better have an answer that Wall Street likes, or else that stock would have, you know, been not doing well for the past three, three or four years leading up to now. It's just been this pivot of like, you got caught and you're either making money or you're not. And Netflix is making money, as they keep telling us. And everybody else is at the, at the peak of their losses. Like the timing could not be worse for this to happen. So, I think Janice, but were they? Are they, are are they, they at what? the peak of their losses? <laughs> they keep saying it, Janice. They're uh -huh. on the they're on the record. I'll put it that way. So okay. I can't I can't according to their own statements uh on the Q3 earnings calls were saying Q4 is going to be the peak. After that, 2023 is going to be on the Ron that Hill down to 2024 profitability, which is a long way away right now. Um, but that's kind of you know where these companies built toward and 
they just got this came in a really came in a really bad time. Well, so this is maybe a pivot to an industry that's doing even worse. The crypto industry. Crypto, we even mentioned FTX yet. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I was, I loved that the story we broke this week about, so, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX, yeah. huge debacle. It's like a spectacular debacle. And my, the author, Michael Lewis, as we broke the story that the author, Michael Lewis, had has been embedded with Sam Bankman-Fried for six months and CAA had taken out the rights for filmed rights for a book that they say CAA says in the email does not even have one word written. Um, But this is going to be like, I think a massive project for people to, to watch and uh, in the, you know, 24 months or longer it takes to get this project on the screen. And I just also want to point out. So I think that people are going to go absolutely bananas for, I'm sure someone is probably negotiating right now. Uh, Richard and Peter Kiefer speculated that it would be Adam McKay who would end up getting this because he did the big short yeah. with Michael Lewis and they have a long relationship. But, um, you know, we have this other newsletter in our stable called The Optionist, which is about intellectual property. Right. And our author, Andy Lewis, went through the crypto books uh, that already are in works, the crypto projects. And there are a lot of crypto projects in work in the works and incredibly they all involve grifters. You'll, I'm sure you're shocked to hear that. <laughs> what? I know okay. it's stunning. Dennis, spoiler alert! <laughs> come on, are you ready to warn me on that? Nothing? I mean, there's like a Bulgarian grifter. Um, <laughs> there's someone who may have faked his suicide. Grifter. Oh um, my, my yeah. favorite kind. Yeah. Um, and anyway, just uh, a stunning number of um, crypto projects. So I think we're probably going to see coming up soon. Um, Maybe some kind, you know, we thought there, you remember when there were two Firefest uh, movies? <laughs> documentaries. And right. documentaries. Like, I'm guessing in two to two and a half years, there will be, we will be deciding which crypto projects were the best. Well, and actually, the, so the documentary they've just announced today, Vice Media is partnering with the information for a documentary that'll be out in Q, in Q2 next year. So you'll have the device documentary by, by springtime. Will that fit into the 15% cost reductions <laughs> it's 15 percent shorter now janice but it'll be there no <laughs> uh yeah so you know that the docu stuff always comes first and then you know and it's funny now and i report every day on you know the casting and all the the new the deals around town and all the GameStop movies are shooting now you know the, so the the big one is actually what sony has with seth rogan uh and paul dano i think yeah, that and, uh, seems like like and that seems like ages ago right many scandals ago you're like, like, oh, GameStop. Oh, yeah, that's old. You know, so that's the challenge here, Janice, for these stories where, to your point, the FTX movie, a scripted film, will be 2024 at best. At best. And at that point, you know, who knows where crypto is going to be? Um, and be- Well, okay. but So, Andy, I just thought this was worth mentioning. Andy in The Optionist also points out that someone should option uh, the story about uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's girlfriend. Oh. Um, Girlfriend from Hell, as I believe she's called. She's the one who ran Alameda. Yeah, exactly. Alameda Capital, which was the hedge fund. Which was the right. Yeah, that was uh, sharing assets with. It was borrowing FTX. from the FTX. Bar- borrowing. Um, right. Yes. And they, they totally intended to pay it back. <laughs> We're good for it, man. Oh, yeah, it's, totally. like, it's, like, um, it's like Dumb and Dumber come to life here. IOU. Do you know anything about this woman? I don't know. This is all new to me. Oh, here. my no, God. Okay. No. So she's 
polyamorous, which what is the, is going to be the least interesting thing about her when I keep going down this list. Mm. She's maybe an amphetamine junkie. Maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's white nationalist curious. Um, so she hasn't fully committed to is this the white like on her LinkedIn or something. Or what is it? Where is so she like? apparently she uses the phrase human biodiversity or HBD, which is oh. a way white supremacists right Code try to something. make their racism sound scientific. Okay, um, she's a Harry Potter nerd who represented the United States on the International Linguistics Olympiad while in high school. Um, and then she's she's documented all of this in tweets and Tumblr posts. Um, so she is she may be an international fugitive currently too well, on her I, way to becoming one. Anyway, um, it's sort of a that's what, another story. People can I'm I'm expecting we will see this story on the screen at some point as well. I mean, when's the wedding? That's what I want to know. I mean, come <laughs> on, you know, <laughs> how do I get my invite? <laughs> That, that would be something. I'd be very curious. I'd watch that movie, a wedding movie with those two. Uh, completely. Oh, you know, that'd be curious. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the FTXness of everything. Yeah. I hope you don't have any crypto, Janice. That's, uh... I am happy to say, despite one of my kids saying um, through the entire pandemic lockdown, you should buy Doge. You should buy Doge. I never oh. bought Doge. So. <laughs> <laughs> and your kids are going to college as a result. So congratulations. Thank, Very thank nice. you. Um, did You've, you, uh, are, were you a crypto buyer? Oh, no, I've, I've, this is one of the least, least interesting topics to me of, of all time. I'm like, it's pretty, you know, this NFTs get put in a lot of conversation and, you know, it's just, it's a speculation market. And I'm like, yeah, this is, everybody thinks it's rock solid, rock solid. And there's no, there's no reason to believe that. And this, you know, FTX is just proving there's zero regulation on this stuff. And this is money. This isn't even NFT, which is art, and you can say, "Well, it's a collector's," and they're right, and that's fine. But the value will the value will go up and down. But you're saying a currency. Currency is very, very, you know, very important as we're all seeing with inflation right now, and where things are based upon really matters. And this is all coming home to roost because this guy could easily, apparently dip between funds, and it's like you don't have to be have any knowledge of finance or anything to understand that is a terrible, terrible idea and would normally be illegal if this was actually like if a bank did that, like, you know, you'd actually have something to arrest them for, for one, you know, like that would actually be a restable offense. There is, there is no law here. There's no protection. It's purely, you are on your own. No one, there's no uh, FDIC here. There's nothing nothing here. Nothing. So there was was a great onion headline, which was, uh, you know, despondent man, Wishes only thousands more people had warned him about crypto. <laughs> I mean, it's onion always putting crystallizing it, you know, in, in one in a one sentence line. So that yeah. I, by the way, I, I have a theory that there will be a mass uh, used Tesla three market about to happen because I feel oh. like all the crypto bros who made money during the pandemic yeah they bought they bought the car of their hero and might need some cash in yeah. the coming days but by the way so our hero there uh also <laughs> announced in court today he really doesn't want to be ceo of twitter he's gonna hire somebody uh for that role and he's like, part-time he's, he i forget what the quote was i should have it on hand it was like you're dude you're literally three weeks into this and you're like i'm done like, yeah. this is this this is like you, can, use, you can hear the weariness in his voice of like this is not what i want to be doing with my life yeah no that's just I, I saw it's i saw someone else put something funny on twitter like 
this man has, is it 10 children or something? Yeah, like I brought, but yeah, I mean, that's it. How many times has he been asked? Oh, by the way, you know, you're sleeping at the office. office. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you have four kids under the age of four, uh, you know, not to bring a, a sexist element into it, but it's like, if it was a woman, it's like, who's watching the kids or whatever. Absolutely. Like, that is not, you know, so as you, I'm sure would agree with that. And yep. this has never, ever been brought up. And, you know, so six of his kids are older, four of them are younger. The, the twins are with the former employee of his, <laughs> which also rarely gets brought up. So as you said earlier, Janice, this tech genius of the 2010s uh, is coming down pretty hard in 2022. And I, the, the kind folks at Netflix invited me to go see Glass Onion this week, the new Knives Out movie which this this ties into that it's a very timely film i'll just i'll leave it at that with the with this theme so uh, what do you mean elaborate uh, it's in regards to edward norton's character in the in the movie um who plays kind of one of these kinds of guys so um like a broy like, silicon valley type kinda, yeah exactly yeah Got it. yeah so it's a uh, very very well done, but uh, very 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 timely for this month. They could not be releasing this film at a better time, uh, in the in the larger them. culture in six hundred screens. But you know, yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there where, there will be no box office reported. There was but... no box office report. No, no, no. Right, yeah, which couldn't be more Silicon Valley of an approach than anything else. But uh, exactly. I mean, so maybe there there are two things we can close out with because I'm curious to hear your thoughts. We had okay. We had one piece of. Maybe good news about Blumhouse and James Wan. Yes, creating, I think your headline was massive horror powerhouse um, <laughs> at Universal. So that's, I mean, that seemed like a good story, right? That was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so James Wan is a runs um, at a company at Warner Brothers for years. Did The Conjuring, did The Nun, did you know? He's been done his own kind of heart, not as quite as big as Blumhouse, but certainly you know. A large well franchise, well respected. He's also directed Aquaman, doing the Aquaman sequel. He's, you know, he does horror, not horror. Um, his deal was up uh, at, in June at Warner Brothers, wasn't renewed or chose not to renew it. And he's going to come and essentially be uh, an autonomous entity in Blumhouse, and which is over at Universal. So, you know, and Jason Blum, who runs Blumhouse, uh, stated he, you know, he does about three or four horror films a year for theaters. He wants to do up to eight horror right now, as we all know, was doing very, very well at the box office. It's a, it's a genre that's proved resilient in whatever this new box office economy is that we live in. Um, and he wants to all wants to also do like eight films for Peacock a year. So, you know, and as Jason said, I don't have ideas, but I, you know, but James, I, does a bunch I of really them. respected that quote that so he works bar into the times. Like, I think it was, I, I am 80% business and 20% right. creative, creative and I, I, and I've never had a, an idea I don't for a any of the ideas, but right. I can recognize them. And exactly. I, I think that, um, that seems contrary to how most people want to uh, position themselves. Yes. That they yeah. assume that like when, when they built all of this success, yeah, that success brings you taste and, you know, right. Yeah, um, all of the above. Yeah, everything after the fact became your big, your great decision. Um, <laughs> right. Um, and so, yeah, sounds smart. They said James was the the opposite of that. Um, right, and he's a more of a creative uh, exactly element to it. So seems smart, and um, go, it's good to see expansion in the film business uh, across well, the board. Also, I love the picture in the New York Times. It's like, ooh, haunted house. I mean, like, <laughs> like they dragged them to some like house. <laughs> I don't know whose idea it was, but it's exactly. I'm like, they might as well have like one of them holding a knife or something, you know. I don't know. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> you look good, guys. You look, you look good. You look good in the times. 
<laughs> and okay, then the last the last thing, unless you have something else, Sean, you want to talk about that this whole study that came out that Marvel fans are mm. showing franchise fatigue, um, mm. while DC fans are more likely to prefer single superhero movies instead of universe. It's over the universe, whatever that means. I guess it means they don't they don't they don't need all these interrelated titles. Right. The, you know, I mean DC hasn't done a lot of that so of course they preferred because they haven't had a you know outside of justice league which really wasn't well received uh yeah, i mean i you think know. they've tried to do universe but nobody it didn't has work. Liked, right yeah has been right. Didn't, they, yeah it was, Zach, it was the Zack snyder attempt um yeah. but it's a warning not a warning but it's a indication to our new uh lords of dc um that maybe these, you know, that kind of Doctor Strange and the multiverse of where everybody was like, this is too confusing, was the basic gist that I got out of it. The movie that came out in May, you know, maybe don't lean too hard in this. And maybe the strategy that DC and Warner Brothers has taken, which has been Aquaman movie, a Shazam movie, a well, Flash movie, um, is not in, the, in a Batman movie where they don't coexist in a world they just are their own things isn't such a bad idea mm. um the event again back to i'll take bad ideas from the mid 2010s for 500 alex uh yeah you know, i mean by the way i, have, I, I haven't know. seen i am not the demo i haven't seen a single one of those movies i'm not i have not either so I, mean, I don't know that you know but uh when you increase volume you know when the, everybody was chasing the avengers because the avengers was the you know biggest film of all time which did meld this stuff because at the time there wasn't that much to meld but as these universes get bigger the more melding you do, the more you have to catch up on. And now you have TV series and now you have, you know, so like there may be that, that fatigue that that's coming up as a little bit like we're before they were kind of for everybody or anybody that more accessible, there's a danger perhaps. And this is getting a little too insular, which you don't want to do when you're trying to justify a $250 million budget. Completely. I mean, and I've said this a few times, I think on this podcast, I, I can't just jump into a Marvel movie, which I find hard. I don't think I could. There's all this mythology and lineage and Thanos and blah. I mean, like it's, right. it's also. I'm like I, I'm like I don't care enough to dig into right. the history of this. I just want to be entertained. So, but I would have gone to see the Batman, which had none of it. You know, with Robert right. Pattinson, I'm like, yeah, because that seems like a story that I can just jump into. Look, those films, the Marvel films, I may be able to go watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of. I don't, uh, I don't really know, but my my impression, and it sounds like your impression, is that I'll I'll be lost. And yeah. when your impression of that, that, you know, your takeaway with people at large, not, you know, outside of the, the fandom, you got to, if you were to hit $700 million in domestic revenue, which is what the Avengers movies were doing, that's tough. You know what does that? Top Gun, because Top yeah. Gun does $700 million. And now Every these other films years. are kind of doing 300, 400 million. You know, we're seeing with that a Black Adam is kind of struggling with that. You know, I don't know that it's that interrelated, but, you know, uh, it's tougher to do that these days. Um, okay, so uh, how about my real last question for you is I asked this to Felix and John at their at the book talk where they cover the industry in the same way you do. And they talked a lot in the book talk, both about the book, but about contemporary issues um, plaguing Hollywood. And I asked them whose hand, if you're working in Hollywood right now, whose cards would you want to be holding? Um, I'm probably more of a Disney fan than most in the sense that I see where you get out of this. Like yeah. it's not like I, the, 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 the next year is not going to be a great year, but the theme parks are doing extremely well. Bob, 
Bob two just raised prices again, you know, which yeah. I, but which doesn't seem to have an effect people that you can do what you want there. People are going to give all the money you want that I know. Yeah. And I think he knows that he's been there for years and he, he came up in that division, you know, yeah. and then that part of the world, not he the, loves the, the studio hike. part. He loves it. Bob loves the price. <laughs> hike. Um, and if in the, the big question at Disney, which I, which is, we'll know soon is that will these price hikes really result in people, uh, you know, uh, canceling the services, and if they can maintain these numbers and add that extra $3 of revenue to Disney Plus and Hulu just went up and ESPN already did, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a real boon to their bottom line that those, those billion, billion five of losses will start to go down, you know, when that more, you're adding in so much more revenue is off the top if people don't cancel. So right, the, the Disney, the, the Disney Plus hot start thing is, they don't make. They never made any money there anyway. So I don't know that cricket. If that business goes away, that business made one hundred million dollars in the third quarter. That's not really going to be like, oh my god, the Disney Plus Hotstar lost thirty million subscribers. They were paying fifty cents a month. I don't know that this is a real big loss to your bottom line. Right. Um, it's a big headline, but again, pivoting away from that subscriber number helps that narrative because hey, we weren't making any money on it. Don't worry about the number. It doesn't matter anymore, which is like, you know, ironic. But, right. and he has the theme parks to lean on, you know, like again, to cover those losses. Paramount is just out there with what they have. Warner Bros. Discovery doesn't have another business to rely on. Comcast has broadband, you know, but broadband is not doing great right now. You know, it's doing okay, but it's frozen and the cable bundle's going away. So that has some issues as well. They do have theme parks, you know, not as quite as big as Disney, but that's certainly part of, NBCU, um, Amazon, as we've seen this week, you know, not looking great in terms of their future. Uh, I guess I Apple, but I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, can I tell you what John yeah. Copeland's I, I, answer I, I was? was he, said, that. he said he would like to be Apple because Apple. none of it matters. This entire yeah. conversation we just had matters nothing to them. They could do yeah. whatever they would like. No one's going to ever see their financials around Apple TV. And there you go. So. Yeah, no, but no, you're not going to get any credit for success either. So, in a, in a town full of egos, um, outside of an award, you know, awards, you're never going to be seen as a a business success, or which you know may or may not matter. But you know, if you make, you can go and make good stuff. So, yes, in that sense of a creative, they they'll write you the money. They don't apparently at this point still don't care. Yeah, but um, but in terms of like, oh my god, you grew. This much in the past quarter or year, or you're never going to get that information is never going to come out. You will never get credit for building a business or whatever it might be. So you have to reconcile yourself with that. If you are a true titan of industry, you will not get that credit as an Apple executive. Well, but you might keep your job, you which, will is, keep your job. <laughs> which is how it's, you know, maybe the only uh, metric of success. Long, days. Um, wait, yeah. so I feel like, uh, on that note, maybe we should go do a wellness check on our colleagues. <laughs> I, th- I think that's what we really do. It's been a minute since we've gotten a text from anybody. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a little concerned. Um, well, have a wonderful Thanksgiving week and same to our audience as well. Yes, definitely. Uh, enjoy some time off. Don't worry about all the stuff. It'll it'll be for you on the other side. Just put it put it down for a little while. Um, and remember to subscribe to the Ankler. You can go to theankler.com. You can follow us on the socials at the Ankler. And uh, Janice, well, maybe we'll see you now. We don't talk. Should we talk next week? I guess I guess we'll find out what happens in three days next week, given the yeah. volume of news that came out this week. But yeah, we'll do a cheery. Uh, it's it turns out everything was okay. Podcast next week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
Stranger things have happened. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll see you soon.